How can you begin to fuel your love for God so that the desire to obey Him will be increased in you? Have you ever thought about applying that question to your life? Well, this week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to pick up and continue our discussion on the character of God, and we're going to get into that right after this. Hey guys, welcome to another Connecting the Gap as we continue to roll on. Thank you all for joining me this week. Hope you've enjoyed all the episodes so far. If you've not had the opportunity to check all of those out, there's quite a few of them. You could binge for quite a while. You can go to connectingthegap.net and you can check out all my podcasts there, my YouTube channel, and my blog. Please like and share, and I'll be eternally, eternally grateful to you if you would do that. We want to change lives and transform lives and do that together. And I would appreciate any help you can get to getting the word out as we do this each and every week. So this week, we're going to be picking up from last week. We were talking about the character of God, and we started off by asking a whole bunch of questions about God and Jesus and how we look at our relationship with him. And we also discussed how he has a perfect love, that he actually loves us just as much as he loves his own son. And it's hard to imagine that when we think about it in the, the earthly realm of things and, and in our human nature and the way that our mind thinks. But the Bible tells us that that's the way it is. And we know that that is his holy word and it's the truth. Once we can wrap our minds around that truth, then we can start making those choices and those decisions to overcome that great deception, that original deception that Satan tries to put in our lives. So as we pick up this week, uh, we're going to continue to get on into this about the character of God. And, you know, whenever I married Michelle, uh, I realized that I was getting into a relationship. I realized that I was going to be giving up going out at all hours of the night with my buddies. I realized I was going to start keeping the toilet seat down. She's not really too picky about that, but some women are. Um, I was going to give up a lot of what I consider to be freedoms in my life in order to have this relationship with my wife. And, and I knew what I was getting myself into. But whenever, if, if somebody would have ever asked me, are you sure that you want to marry Michelle? Is, this, is that really the thing that you want to do? I'd be like, you know, are you kidding? You know, Michelle is the perfect person for me. She is the person that God has picked out and he, she, she is my soulmate. And whenever we look at that type of relationship, we realize that that's how true love is supposed to be regardless of what we feel like we're quote-unquote giving up to be in a relationship with our spouse, that's the way that that relationship with God should be. We should go into it 100%, all in, knowing that this is the exact thing that we've been waiting for our whole life. If you ever consider marrying a person and the sacrifices don't seem worth it, then you probably got the wrong person. You probably need to reevaluate that relationship and make sure that that is the person that God has had planned for you in your life. In the same way, if you're constantly thinking, man, it's such a drag to follow Jesus. I can't believe all I have to sacrifice to be a Christian. Well, you must have the wrong God. 
because there is plenty of reasons to sacrifice for Jesus and for God, especially when Jesus came and sacrificed for us. You're not seeing God for who he really is, if that's your thought process. When you do, you will realize that just like meeting that guy or that girl of your dreams, that whatever you need to give up will pale in comparison to what you're going to receive out of that relationship with the one and only Lord. In the Christian life, there is sacrifice involved. I think we all know that. It's not a bed of roses. It's not an easy path. It's not the path that everyone takes. You've seen that cartoon before where there was a wide road going one way and a little narrow path going the other, and the wide road had all kinds of people in it, and the narrow path had two or three. That's very, very true. There's a lot lesser people going down that harder path. Certain things must die, but it is the death for the sake of life. Leaving the sin that holds us back allows us to freely obtain the treasure of God's promises. Don't be fooled. When God asks you to lay something down, the, the enemy is going to immediately try to convince you that God is cruel, that he hates you, and that's the reason he wants to take that thing from you. The truth, however, is that the treasure is always worth the sacrifice. Ridding ourselves of the original deception will be a continuous battle, and it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be an ongoing process for the rest of our lives to keep digging deeper and becoming a stronger, more upright person in the way that Christ wants us to be. You may make a lot of progress at first and later realize that there are a few areas in your life which you are still fighting the desire to give in to sin. This is a normal thing. Some deceptions are so deeply rooted in us that it takes time for God's truth to penetrate deeply enough to remove them. The key is to avoid discouragement. Don't let it discourage you if you feel like you're not making progress. The enemy's going to resist you every step of the way and tell you that it's never going to change. But don't believe it because you will eventually change if you keep pushing hard enough and you keep digging deep enough and you really truly want what God wants to give you in your life. In my life, there's been some temptations that were easily dealt with and there's others that took me years to get over. But if you keep going, God will change you over time. When you don't know what else to do, the Holy Spirit's going to be there to guide you. Just pray and he'll be right there by your side to lead you down that path that you need to go down. He's going to lead you to scriptures that's going to continue to change the way that you think and the way that you live. To some extent, we will always wrestle with sinful desires until Jesus comes. But the more we are able to see God for who he really is, the easier that struggle is going to become. We know that we're going to fight Satan clear till the day we die. That's just the way that the original deception made it all happen when Adam and Eve took that fruit. We're going to take some time now to review some scriptures. And as we do this, consider choosing several that speak to your heart and that speak to your mind. And maybe you might want to memorize some of these. That way, in the moments of temptation, when Satan tries to come up against you, you're going to have some ammo. You're going to have some things that you can throw back and quench his fiery darts and let him know that you're in control of your life, not him. The first scripture here is Matthew 10, 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. At the time that Jesus walked the earth, you could buy two sparrows for one penny. Jesus uses this example in Matthew to show us how attentive that he is to our lives. 
Not even one of those sparrows, which were considered of such a little value, falls to the ground without him knowing about it. Then he says, if I am this attentive and concerned about a sparrow, then you definitely have nothing to fear, because he is exponentially way more concerned about us. I am so concerned about you that I even keep track of the number of hairs on your head. And for some of us, that's not as hard to do anymore. My hair is getting a lot thinner than what it used to be. But regardless, God knows how many hairs I had when I was born, and he knows how many I have now, and he knows how it's fluctuated over the years. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. In John 17, 23, it says, The world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This verse we actually have discussed prior. We've discussed this earlier. This is one of the most amazing verses, I believe, in the Bible about God's love and about how he really feels about us. To know that God looks at us with the same love and affection that he looks at his son Jesus is an overwhelming thought when you really sit there and think about it. In 1 John 3, 16, it says we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus has already proved his love to us by suffering and dying in our place. Is there anything more a person could do to prove their love? Surely, after what he's done for us, it only makes sense that we should be able to trust him with our lives. There's no reason we should be able to trust Jesus after all that price that he paid and everything that he went through. Romans 8.32 says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? The revelation in this verse kind of complements that last verse in 1 John 3.16 which tells us that God has already proven his love. In Romans 8.32, it says if God's already given up so much for us, would he really hold back on us now? There is no way that God would go to the trouble of sacrificing his own son if he were just going to abandon us later. That just doesn't make any sense to give up that kind of a treasure in order to just blow it off and it not mean anything anymore. If God went to such lengths already, Surely we can trust him with every situation that comes up in our lives. The next scripture that we're going to read is in Psalm 139, 17 and 18. It says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This verse can both make us feel safe and loved at the same time. Try to imagine how many grains of sand are on the beach. It's impossible. Even one handful of sand is an unbelievable amount of grains of sand. Now try to imagine all the grains of the sand in the world. That's how many thoughts God thinks about you. So if you ever doubted God's love or concern for you, you can put those doubts to rest once and for all. God thinks about you all the time. Do you think about God all the time? Every little thing you're going through matters to God and definitely does not slip his attention. In Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God will never fail to look upon you with compassion. This word compassion literally translates to tender love. The same love a mother has for her child. God's tender love for you will never stop or fail. In fact, every morning, he finds new ways to shower his love upon you. In Deuteronomy 31.6, the scriptures continue, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. 
God's not ever going to leave us. He's always going to be right there by our side through the thick and the thin. God promised to the Israelites that they were about to enter the promised land. But in Hebrews 13, 5, we are reminded that this is also a promise for us. Imagine that God will never leave or forsake you. Ever. Sometimes when bad things happen in our lives, we can feel like God has forsaken us, forsaken us but that's simply not true. Even if you can't see his hand for a time or don't feel his presence, know that he has promised he will always be with you, he will never fail you, and that he's always working through all of those down times when we're in those valleys. He's still working to bring us up back out of that. We just have to believe and stay true to him and understand that we need to put our trust in him to bring us out of it. In Psalm 121.5, it says, The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. This really gives us a vivid word picture of who God is and what he does for us, that he's always there. He's just like on a bright sunny day, you cannot escape your shadow. In the same way, God is always near you to watch and protect you. Just like that shadow sticks to your side, imagine that that's God, because that's where he's at 24-7. In Psalm 23-4, it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. When we walk through those dark valleys of death, fear will always try to blind us so that we can try to lose sight of God. This verse reminds us that even in the lowest moments of our life, we need not fear because God is close beside us. Our circumstances may make it harder to see Him, but we need not fear because as His Word tells us, He is always there. In Romans 8, 38, it says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. What a powerful verse about God's love for us. Nothing can keep his love away from you. Nothing. No matter what has happened in your past, what is happening in your present, or what happens in your future, God will always love you. Because he loves you, he will always be working for your best interest. And nothing in the universe will change that except your disbelief. If you do not believe in Christ and you choose to fail and to follow other things and go down the path that you are not supposed to go down, God's still going to love you. He will still forgive you and take you back. But you're going to have to make the effort to come back to him and to that place that he wants you to be. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is one of my favorite verses on my Bible. I've got one of those covers, a leather cover, and it has that engraved right into the leather. And I like to read it all the time. In this verse, God is very clear about his intentions for us. He wants to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. Almost as if he knows that we may doubt him, he reminds us, my plans are not to harm you. In other words, there is no evil in his character, only goodness. Whether you have walked a straight and narrow or struggled every step of this life, the Lord always has a plan that's going to give you a hope and it's going to give you a future. In Psalm 37, 23, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So many times the enemy deceives us into thinking that God doesn't really care about us, that he's not really interested in anything that we have going on in our life. Or if he does, he only cares about the big things that comes our way. He doesn't care about the little things. But this verse puts that lie to rest once and for all. 
God delights in every detail, big or small, in your life. If it's important to you, it's important to God because he loves you. The next scripture, Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. There are two word pictures in this verse that I want to bring out to you that I absolutely love. Have you ever gotten so excited about something that you've broken out in the song? This is how excited God gets about you. The second one that we've mentioned is the love God gives us is so strong that it's able to quiet the cry of your heart. In 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that we are. The analogy in this verse is of a father and a child. So often we picture God as this big entity in the sky, far removed from us, could care less about what we have going on. But this couldn't be further from the truth. As we've been discussing, God is near to us, he's concerned about us, and he wants us to view him as a loving, reliable father. After all, he does call us his children. In Psalm 103.11, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. The earth is, the sky is immeasurably high from this earth. In the same way, God's love for us and those that fear him cannot be measured. In the face of all the problems and temptations that we go through, it brings a peace to know that God loves us in such an endless way. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This verse shows us that we can bring God all things that are troubling us, all our fears, our needs, our concerns, because he really does care about them. It doesn't matter whether or not we feel his presence tangibly when we pour out our hearts to him. We can be sure that he has heard us because this verse tells us so, that he cares about us and he does hear our needs. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When an animal is used to plow a field, a yoke is put on around its neck, so as the person that is plowing the field can directly direct that animal. Jesus uses this analogy to help us understand the need to submit to the direction for, from him in our lives. But make sure you understand his heart here. He isn't asking this of you because he's on a power trip. Rather, it's out of his great love for you. He wants to lead your life in such a way that your soul is going to find rest. He's not out to be that taskmaster with the whip. He actually is just trying to lead us down that path to eternal life and the treasures and the, the things that he wants to give us. In Isaiah 54, 10, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. In this verse, God is trying to paint a picture of security of his love. He points to some of the strongest parts of visible creation and says, even if these were to be shaken or removed, my love for you won't change. It is stronger and more permanent than the mountains and the hills. In Exodus 34, 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious, and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In this powerful verse, God himself tells us what he is like. When Moses asked God to reveal himself to him, this is how God introduces himself. From his own mouth, God says, this is who I am. 
I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger, full of love and faithfulness. We may have flawed ideas about God, but this verse makes them completely clear about who God truly is. And in John 3.16, the verse above all verses, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The most famous verse in the Bible sums up everything about who God is and how he feels about us, his children. God loves us in such an unfathomable way that he chose to prove his love to us through his actions on the cross. The whole purpose of his loving action was to be good to us that we might have eternal life. There, these are just a few of the many verses that's in God's word that describes God, who he is, the relationship he has with us, the relationship he wants with us, how he cares and how he loves about us. There's so many more. The only way that you can figure out all of those is to dive in for yourself and you will see exactly how awesome, how gracious and compassionate our God truly is. Dwell on these verses, put them on cards, put them on paper, tape them up, hang them places, sticky notes. I know people that at work that have sticky notes with scriptures on their monitor or, you know, they're on their desk at the, on the surface or whatever it may be, maybe reminders on your phone. You can't go wrong. If you keep God's word in front of you 24-7, you're going to have trust in him and live that life that he wants us to live. As I leave today, if you continue to meditate on God's living word, it's going to change you from the inside out. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this last section of, as we've dissected God and his character and who he is. I hope that it's made you think a little bit and opened your heart a little bit more to understand God and who he is and what he wants for you. Knowing that he does everything he does out of a perfect, pure love that we could never even equal to. He loves us more than anything, and he wants us to have the treasures that he's promised us. Hopefully you guys got something out of this this week, and I hope that it, you know, encouraged you inside, encouraged your spirit, and helped you to understand who God is to you and to me, and that you are on the same level playing field as everyone else, and that he's not ever going to forget you. He's never going to let you go. Uh, he's never going to run away and leave us all on our own. He's like that shadow. He's right there next to us 24-7, and I'm so thankful for that. Well, Go to my website, connectingthegap.net. Check out my other stuff, my, my uh, YouTube channel, my blog, and all my podcasts are there. Please share that others might learn about God and learn more about Him. And I hope that what we've studied this last couple of weeks has made you a bigger, better Christian and even more in love with God than you've ever been before. That's what this is all about. I'll see you guys next week or talk to you next week here on Connecting the Gap.